Hey, what do y'all think about Mary, huh? She's a blessing. I remember year, many moons ago when I went to the, Denny invited me to bring my banjo up to the Sock River Cowboy Church. They were just having it on Thursday nights at the marketing center. There was only really about 20, 25 people there at that time. So I can say, safely say that I was there at the beginning, but didn't stick. I didn't stick. But Mary was there. She's been, her and Donna have been so faithful to this church. She's just, I can see why. I warn people when they come to this church, if I invite them and say, if you come, I'm warning you, you're going to get addicted to it. I mean, it's really, it, there is a real true fellowship here. And people actually do pray for you when you ask them to. And, uh, you know, a lot of times people say, well, I'm, I'll pray for you, and then they forget about it. It's not that they're mean people. It's just they're not trained to do it. But you all are, are used to praying for one another. You do it. And I tell you what, God works in mighty ways, and let's pray with extreme fervency without ceasing for our pastor and his wife. Okay? They're going through a time now, and it's like time when many of you have been in those circumstances when you're in the hospital, and it's just like time stops. And so it's going to take a while for them to get things, you know, fleshed out, and and we just want to see Gail back here. We just started having, me and Gail just started having a tradition started where we were drinking coffee together before the service started, and I, I want to see that tradition start back up again. Anyway, I hope you brought your copy of God's Word. We're going to be looking at Psalm 145 today, or tonight. Psalm 145. Now, by the way, this marks one year ago that I came and preached, filled the pulpit on Thursday night. Was anybody here then? And and then I came and I did another sermon during before Christmas, and then I did come on as an interim associate pastor January 1st, so I just got about my year anniversary coming up. Let's have a cupcake. With the, yeah, cupcake with the with the candle in it. Now, the title of the message is, and this is important, A Telling Worship. A Telling Worship. And what I'm doing now, as what I began doing when I first started taking care of Thursday nights, was I began to preach about the body of Christ, the fellowship. And then I did what we're concluding pretty soon, the What Matters Most sermon series. What matters most? And we know that's fluid. It can change. It can, you know... We have to adapt. Sometimes it's our health, sometimes it's our finances, sometimes it's our relationships, whatever it would be. But we're talking about what matters the most. In times like where Scotty and Gail are going through, what matters most is when the, the congregation comes through and together and prays for them. What matters most is to know that people are praying for you. Oh, how they turned out for you guys. That's what a wonderful testimony that is. And we're so glad to see you back, Brenda. And, and you too, Tommy. And so, no, I... I didn't mean anything by it. So. so concluding the true worship, what matters most in the body is true worship because that's what God's looking for. He's, look, he's seeking true worshipers. And we've been talking about that for quite a while. And I'm, I'm concluding that part of this sermon series on what is true worship. The next time I come, I'm going to be talking about prayer. <laughs> Elizabeth, I'm coming home to you. I'll be talking about, and I've titled this little sermon series coming up, Portraits of Prayer. So we'll be talking about prayer and going in-depth into prayer that it matters most, and the fellowship that prays really matters most. But tonight, concluding with Psalm 145, and I will tell you that this psalm is very dear to me personally. 
And little did I know, but I found it in my studies, that the Jews, the Jewish rabbi back in the three or 400 80s would teach their students to recite this prayer three times a day and it guarantees you a place in heaven. It ain't going to work for you. But it is something to uh, think about every day. It's a marvelous, wonderful psalm and it concludes what really true, genuine worship is and that is a telling worship. And I want you to understand the word telling and the way I'm using it is in an adjective form. And that could be is having force, really revealing something. It's very telling. Like my face was very telling. I could not tell my mom a lie. She could always nail me on it because it was telling the truth. And so this type of worship we see in Psalm 145 is a very telling worship. It's a telling worship that demonstrates determination on behalf of a person and their love for God, a determination of declaration of their faith. And that's what God really wants to see is each and every one of us with that determined declaration of our faith. Jesus saves. He is alive and well. And so we want to have that telling worship, a telling worship. Here's the thing that I notice, even with myself sometimes. We, we go to prayer or we go to church and we're seeking God's blessings for us. Now, there's nothing wrong with it. Don't get me wrong. But perhaps we can fall in a rut where we forget that we want to come to church to bless God. And that idea of bless, it means to speak well of, to praise Him, to acknowledge Him, to extol Him, to exalt Him. We want to come to church to bless God And there's nothing wrong with wanting to be blessed. I want to be blessed. So, I'm just going to go, I'm going to read this psalm. And I'm just going to really, ultimately, this is a different type of sermon, the way I'm going to preach it. I'm getting out of my comfort zone too, Mary. And, but I want to just let the words and the psalm do its own uh, work, as it would be the word. Have its own way. Uh, sink into your heart and your mind and your soul the way God would want it. And then I'll just perhaps go through a few things and pointing them out because I want to challenge you. I want to challenge each and every one of you to take this challenge is to read this psalm every day for one week. I want you to do that. I mean, I, I, I love this psalm so much I tried to memorize it. Don't ask me to do it. But I did. I, I might even tell that story tonight but I, I may not, but I'll save it for some other time. But read it every day for one week and see what happens to your worship. Now, let me just read it right now, and I'll go over a few things. Remember, a telling worship is telling about our determination of declaration of our faith. And let me tell you something. Have you noticed how the Hallmark Channel is slipping into the world? I'm telling you what, we need people of faith. We need them to be determined to declare their faith in this lost and dark and dying and decimated world. So here's the psalm. By the way, this is David's last psalm that he wrote. And here's a guy that's pouring himself into this beautiful song that had held Goliath's head by the hair of his head, that had defeated him, barely dragging the sword along, but also who had compassion for his enemy when he could have taken care of Saul. Also, he, was, he sinned horribly. But God held him as the apple of his eye. 
and restored him. And David had a deep, deep love for God, and he wanted to bless God, and he did it with this psalm. I w- this is NIV. I will ex- let's please listen to this. This is a telling worship, time of telling, telling determination, a telling declaration of our faith. I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. By the way, if I pause to take a breath, you can insert amen there, okay? Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One nation will commend your works to another. They will tell of your mighty acts. They will speak of your glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. They will tell of the power of your awesome works. And I will proclaim your great deeds. They will celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. All you have made will praise you, O Lord. Your saints will extol you. If I take a double breath, you can say a double amen. <laughs> they will, listen, they will tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might so that all men may know of your mighty acts. Oh, I love this. And the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures through all generations. Thank you. I was just thinking about that verse 13. I shouldn't do this, but I'm going to. In Daniel, I think it's chapter 3 or chapter 4, Nebuchadnezzar says a prayer to God, and he says basically that same thing in verse 13. And the commentators didn't even know that. I I found it out. I discovered it. Anyway, enough about me, so let's... The Lord, here, the Lord is faithful to all His promises and loving toward all He has made. See, I, I love this so much. The Lord upholds all those who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all His ways and loving toward all He has made. Listen to this promise. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. Let every creature bless his holy name forever and ever. Is that a telling worship? There's determination and declaration of a person of faith. And that's what God's looking for. And this determination, I see that all through these, well, these first few verses, one through seven, you see the word will is used 11 times. Sometimes with I and sometimes they. I will. I want to be determined. They're determined to declare God Almighty as their God. Why? Because of His greatness. How great. We sing how great thou art. Here's something I want to share with you. I heard that a pastor say this. I wish I could remember which one said it, but I can't. But I really liked it. And it may not make sense to you, but it's something I've really grabbed onto the last couple of weeks that's really helped me. And it's regards to what I will, what I will do. 
We pray the Lord's Prayer, which is very important. Thy kingdom come, God, thy will be done. But I want you to think about this. Pray my will because I want my will, I want my will to be done because my will is your will. Now get this. That changes my thinking. I want, what's God's will here? I want God's will, so I want my will to be God's will. So pray for my will because we know sometimes how we get out of God's will. So pray my will be done because I want to do your will. Because why? Of your greatness and your majesty and your splendor and your mighty works and your wonder and your graciousness and your compassion. Oh, Lord, I want my will to be done because I want it to be your will that's done. Does that make sense to you? By the way, I'm going to share that Sunday in my sermon also, if if the Lord so allows, because I really think it's good. There's something else in this about those that I will and they will. They're very constant and consistent. I mean, I will, I will, I will, they will. They're going to do it. There's not, I'm going to pray about it. Let me think about it. I'll get back to you about it. No. You know, sometimes, a couple of the biggest problems, I think, in the current culturalized, Americanized, westernized church is a truth about inconsistency in our relationship with God through the reading of Scripture or in prayer, or in worship. Look at, look at average church attendance. It's horrific. It's about like the average voting percentages. Uh, in Easter, oh, you might get like that we have at a presidential election, but most of the time it's 17% of Americans are going to church. They're very inconsistent in their church attendance and service in the body. The I will person, David wasn't inconsistent. Uh-uh. And there's something else I've noticed. Now, I know this might be harsh. I'm sorry. Uh, well, I shouldn't say I'm sorry because I'm really not. So anyway, sometimes we think we're doing God a big favor. Here I am. I mean, strap on a six-shooter. I'm really somebody. Belly up to the buffet. That's quick thinking there. We really do. Here I am, Lord. I've really show, I've, I've showed up. I've, I've seen that before. This is what I, one thing I love about Soccer River Cowboy Church is that you could come just how you want to come. Just come. Just show up. Be consistent with the I wills. I will extol you. I will declare your greatness every single day. I will not miss it. I will not fail to do it. Because the devil wants you, wants nothing more than you to not celebrate Christ daily. He wants you to become inconsistent. He wants you to become rusty. Rusty worship. WD-40 would be the Holy Spirit. Get it all over you. Here's something that happens. Because of your determination, you will make declaration. Because of your determination, you will make declaration. And we see in verses 4, 5, and 6, I want to point these out to you if you look where it says, one generation will commend your works to another. They will tell of your mighty acts. Look in verse 4. Works and acts, actions. Verse 5. They'll speak of the, of the glorious splendor of your majesty. I will meditate on your wonderful, what? Works. They will tell of the power of your awesome, what? Works. And I will proclaim your great deeds, actions, works. What are, what's one of God's great works? 
Say it out. The cross, right? It is finished. One of the greatest works ever done was the work done on the cross. When he was nailed to that cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Lift it up. Oh, what a wonderful scene that was when that one criminal got saved right there on the cross. Nailed. He couldn't come down, but I guarantee if he could, he'd go get baptized right there on the spot. How do you know that, Mark? It's not in the Bible. That's right. I just know it. That's a great work on the cross. He did it for all people. He did it for you and he did it for me. That's one reason I love this psalm. Because of God's great love. His gracious compassion. He loves someone even like me. There's another great work he did. I want to share this with you. I saw this several years ago. I came across this. It's John chapter 17, verse 4, where Jesus says, I've finished the work that you sent me to do. He's praying to God the Father. And I thought, well, he's not finished. He's not gone to the cross yet. But one work he did do up to that point was he made 11 disciples. Let me tell you something. That's a great work. Pouring yourself into other people, making followers. And you know what happened when Jesus died and then he came... Of course, he came back for a while and he talked to the, the disciples and said, Go ye therefore into all nations, making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all I've commanded you. Remember that? He made disciples. That's a great work because how does one generation carry it over to the next generation? Through disciple making. That's a great work. God's doing a great work in you. He's transforming your life. Oh, what a great work that is. Verse 10 and 11, I want to show you this. Verse 10 and 11. We're talking about a telling determination and declaration of faith. Verse 10 and 11. All you have made will praise you, O Lord, and your saints, that's us, will extol you. They're going to talk about kingdom glory. Verse 11. They will tell of the glory of your kingdom. You know what's true? We say, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek God's will. You seek, what's your will, God? I want it to be my will. No, you're not going to have a tug of war with God on whose will it is. It's God's will you want. And tug it into your will. And then you'll start telling and spreading the good news. And I, love, I thought of this song. And I'm going to need some help with it. But, you know, I think they unleashed a, mo- unleashed a monster somewhere. I, was, I sang. With, oh, it was la- last Thursday night, I think. I sang with, sang with Chris and Scotty and somebody else. I don't remember. They, they didn't use their underarm deodorant. I know. Luther. Wasn't Luther. He didn't smell. So here's the thing about the declaration of a determination of our faith. We want to tell the story, the great work. And here's that. I love this song. Tell me the story of Jesus, write on my heart every word. Tell me the story most precious, sweetest that ever was heard. Anybody ever hear that song? Tell me the story. Tell tell them the story of Jesus. Let you really, let the wonder of the gracious, great God that dwells in you, let him come out. You've been trained to make disciples. You've heard sermons. You've, You've heard the songs. You're ready to go and exalt and extol Jesus Christ crucified. What a Savior we had. Oh, there's a couple of verses here. Tell how the angels in chorus sang as they welcomed his birth. Glory to God in the highest, peace and good tidings on earth. Here's some great works. Fasting alone in the desert, tell of the days that are past. How for our sins he was tempted, yet was triumphant at last. 
Tell of the years of his labor. Tell of the sorrow he bore. He was despised and afflicted, homeless, rejected, and poor. Tell of the cross where they nailed him, writhing in anguish and pain. Tell of the grave where they laid him. Tell of how he liveth again. Jesus is alive and well. Love in that story so tender, clearer than I've ever seen. Stay, let me weep while you whisper. Love paid the ransom for me. Tell me the story of Jesus. Write on my heart every word. Tell me the story most precious, sweetest that ever was heard. Tell of the great works. Tell the story. Now, we've noticed the word will was used 11 times. But in the next verses, 9 through 20, and I won't go all the way through them. I, I don't think that's what God wants me to do. But I want you to note a word, a repeated word. That's the word all. It's amazing. In verse 9, for instance, the Lord is good to all. Jesus cares about you. For God so loved the world. He loved all. Jesus cares, not just about white ankle assassins and Protestant. He cares about all. Now, that's my Savior. That's the one that I exalt. Jesus, who cares about all. He has compassion. Verse 12 I'm just going to pick a few here. Verse 12. So that all men may know your mighty acts. We want to spread the gospel. I like verse 13. Your kingdom is... A, this is the one that's also in Daniel. I can't remember the exact chapter, but it's Nebuchadnezzar's testimony. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures to all generations. Let me tell you something. God's kingdom is unstoppable. Friends, they cannot stop the church. The government can't stop the church. The enemies that run the TV sets, they can't stop the church. By George, one day we might take our TV sets out and burn them. No, I ain't doing that to mine, right? I just bought a 65-incher. The church is unstoppable because Jesus Christ himself told his followers that I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Do you believe it? Then exalt him. Have that determination of declaration of your great faith in Jesus Christ. Verse 14, I love this one. The Lord upholds all those who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. He never forsakes us. Never. Verse 15 and 16, he provides. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food at proper time. You open their hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. He he provides. Verse 17. The Lord is righteous in all his ways. He's just and loving toward all he has made. He's grace. Oh, a balance of truth and justice. God is the one that balances it. And I'm so glad for that. Verse 18. The Lord, oh, this is a memory verse. When you read your Psalm 145 every day and you come to this one, remember, this is the, the crux. The Lord is near to all who call on him. To all who call on him in truth. Lord, I need Jesus. It's the truth. I'm tired. I can't make it on my own anymore. I need help. And I've heard there's a Jesus. Teach me. Tell me the story. And God will fellowship with you. You'll have that. I'm talking about this this Sunday too. Knowing him intimately. Really knowing him, having that want to for a closer walk with Jesus. I love that song. 
I like to boogie it a little bit. Can we do that, Bob? You know, just a closer walk with the... Okay, sorry. Where was I? Oh, yes. Verse 19. Oh, he fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll, del- he'll give you... He'll del- delight yourself in the Lord. I, why can't I remember that? I'm under a lot of pressure. And he'll give, you, uh, he'll give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. I found that in verse 19. Where did I find it? He fulfills the desires of those who fear him, who revere him, who extol him, who bless him, who care for him, who walk with him and talk with him along life's narrow way. He hears their cry and saves them. He never fails. Never, ever, ever. God's always been faithful. Verse 20, the Lord watches over who, um, all who love him, but the wicked he will destroy that word. Watches there. Some of your Bibles use the word preserves. And I was thinking about that. He preserves me as I go through. And a preservative is salt, right? So he's salting my life with his goodness and his grace as I go through life. And I like a lot of salt. You ever had McDonald's french fries? Put them in the bag and put two big old salt things in there. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm, I know where I'm going after I leave here. Verse 21, this telling determination and declaration. Verse 21, simply, I will bless the Lord. I'll speak well of him. Where he says, my mouth, my mouth will speak in the praise of the Lord, in praise of the Lord. And I said bless in the next sentence. Let every creature bless because that's a different word. And it does, it can be translated as bless. Bless his holy name forever and ever. Forever and ever. Bless the name of Jesus. The Bible says, therefore, God exalted him, that's Jesus, to the highest place and gave him the name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to glory of God the Father. Oh, what a day that's going to be. Here's a couple, why this psalm changed my life. In the year 2000, it did, it changed my life. I had been a pastor for about a year. I was uh, kind of at a, it was not supposed to be a church plant. It was called the Village Church. It was a satellite church of Ridgecrest Baptist Church. And so I was asked to be the leader of that. So I began uh, going there. First Sunday we had, how many did we have, honey? 11 people. So Bob Martin was there leading the music. So about a, I'd been there about a year, and Ridgecrest asked uh, they were going to make a bus trip down to Bellevue, Tennessee, for his Legacy 2000 convention of the Southern Baptist world. And all churches from all over the country were bringing their leadership, their pastors and other leaders, to Bellevue Baptist. And I, I want to tell you something. That is one big church. That's where Dr. Adrian Rogers preached. And I, I got lost in that church. And I got in the nursery room, and it had all these smocks along. The, it was as big as this room here, the nursery storage room. And I think I could fit 20 village churches in here. But as I was on this trip, you know, I, I just felt like I was a second-class citizen amongst those schooled pastors I was with. They didn't mean it that way. They didn't mean to come off that way. It was me. And I, I got to thinking... And then I felt, well, or you could say, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but like the, the stepchild.
so I, we, that we checked in. And by the way, when we checked in our motel rooms, they didn't have mine ready, so everybody else went to theirs. I was waiting for mine. Just saying. <laughs> Felt like I was being, you know, just because I'm not full-time or, you know. I just, I'm th- all these thoughts are going through my head. So we go to the first service, and the guy comes out on the platform. He's a big shot with the SBC. Big, and I'm glad he was there because it changed my life. He comes out. Welcome, everybody, glad to be here. I want to share a scripture with you, and he says this right here. I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and most worthy of praise is greatness. No one can fathom. He stopped there, and I broke down. I started crying like a baby. I was broken to the core. I couldn't figure out why for a long time, but I finally did. And I want to read something to you about this. Galatians 2.6 says, God does not show favoritism. Acts 10.34, then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. Romans 2.11, for God does not show favoritism. Here's what I learned. I was not insignificant in God's eyes. But it ain't about you, Mark. Extol me. Tell him how great I am. And I was broken, and I'm so glad that God was patient with me and rebuilt me at that time. I was, I'm so thankful. Here's our great God. Here He is. He desires that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there's one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. The Lord is not slack concerning His promises. Some men count slackness, but long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all come to repentance. Oh, what a great love we have. Psalm 145, for the next week, each and every one of you, I challenge you to read it. If you're not saved, you're going to be saved somewhere by Tuesday or Wednesday. Let's pray. God, you are so good. Glorious, glorious is thy name, O Lord. I think about the name of Jesus, and I I do, Lord, and sometimes we've been far away from him, but he's never left us. He's calling us. He's saying, hurry up, come on up. He's so full of grace and mercy and kindness and gentleness, but he's also full of justice and truth. Thank you, Jesus, for taking care of your church. Thank you for watching over it. Thank you for the way that this church is expressing your hand and your heart. I pray that you pour in to this church your blessings and your benefits as this church in turn will pour out its blessings and benefits. I come before you pleading with you, God, to intervene in the life of Scotty and Gail in a powerful way. We love them so much and we need them. I know that uh, nobody's irreplaceable and there's a time for each and every one of us to go, but we pray for sweet, precious Gail that you get her back on her feet. And oh, bless our pastor. Help him and his family. Again, thank you for this day. Thank you for our daily bread. Go with us, each one tonight. Guard us, protect us. But remember, God, for us, we want to be determined to declare our faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.